0: Hey, don't go anywhere, because coming up on the show, we have the world-renowned fitness trainer, Vinny Tortorich. You've seen him on Adam Carolla. He also has his book and podcast, both called Fitness Confidential. And he's also made three movies, Fat, a documentary, Fat 2, and Beyond Impossible. All great movies, great book, great podcast. And all this stuff explores nutrition and exercise and his patented no sugar, no grain diet, which is a form of the keto diet. And uh, quick to note for this podcast, uh, this is not to be taken as medical advice. You want to make sure that you talk to your doctor before starting any diet or exercise program. And also, due to technical difficulties, once again, uh, our internet was not working here, so I had to record this on my phone. Uh, We do have audio and video, but my audio and video is going to be a little bit lower quality than usual. Uh, But overall, this is a great episode, and I think you'll enjoy it. Here you go. You so much thanks for putting up with this uh the technical di- difficulties i'm sure you've experienced it sometimes right
1: oh geez we've done 2100 podcasts it, 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 the stories i can tell chuck
0: oh really What's? tell me a story <laughs> let's start with that that's one well, way to start it's, the
1: podcast. it's all boring but you know here's the thing you know uh we've been podcasting for well over 10 years I, I don't know how much you know about me or if you know anything about me but we've been doing it for i, a long I read
0: time. uh your book and i watched all three of your movies and i've listened to some interviews so i know a little bit
1: okay so i i've been around the podcast game for for a minute <clears throat> and we've done uh over at my place we've done 2100 some odd shows are coming up on 2100 i'm not really sure i might be lying um But at any rate, I'm looking me up right now while I'm talking (laughs) to you, which is, again, another odd thing about the world. Let's see. I'm on podcast. Oh, almost 2,100, 2,080 shows. And, you know, it's there. No matter how well you think you have these systems down, you know, I have a whole studio around me, even though it looks like I'm just sitting in the middle of a room with a, you know, weight room behind me, which is, a fact. Um, You know, first we did it in a professional studio at Anna Vocino's house. She's a professional voiceover person. And then I moved it to my bedroom, my spare bedroom in Woodland Hills, California, when we were there for six or seven years. And now we do it from my basement in a full studio here. And it doesn't matter if it's my show or, you know, my good friend Adam Carolla, um, you know, they they have the diff- same difficulties. It doesn't matter how big your podcast is or what you're doing. Um, you could be me. You could be Adam Carolla. I, I, I did Mike Rose. I, I'm name-dropping a lot here right off the bat. You no, know, I saw
0: that you did Mike Rose. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. I'm a big fan
1: of his, too. And by the way, we had trouble. We, we had trouble doing that. It's, you know, and... As I was telling Mike, I don't think this was on the show, but it was after the show. And we were going, isn't it weird that with all the technology, the technology that worked was you got to turn it off and start it over. Right. That, that's the fix. It's not like, hey, we have all these, you know, technical things. You know, we have computers putting, you know, we had computers put man on the moon back in the 60s. You know, we have Elon Musk and and, and some of these people putting people into orbit based on a computer. Yet the way you fix a computer problem is by unplugging and then plugging it back in. You know, so it's like, where are we in this game? How advanced are we when that is? And by the way, this isn't wives' tale or folklore or anything like this. This is if you call technical support, they will say, have, oh, you yeah. try, have you tried unplugging it? Oh, thanks. Oh, great one. Yeah, we tried that 12 times before we called your ass. You know? Exactly. <laughs> right.
0: I think that's But a lot of people don't know that. And they'll call technical support and they'll tell them that. And I'll go, oh, let me try that. Oh, actually, yeah, that worked.
1: <laughs> it's the one thing that worked. So right. I didn't mean to go off on a rant right at the beginning of a podcast, but that's no, just the way it. this whole thing works, you know?
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I've had some some big guests and like the audio didn't record or the video didn't record or whatever, and I'm like, oh shit! And like sometimes you get a backup or sometimes you get audio only, and that's fine. But uh, yeah, thankfully I've never had one where nothing recorded. So that would be scary.
1: So what type of tell me you know because Chuck, whenever someone says, "Would you be on my podcast?" I don't go look them up. I don't go how big is his audience? I just go, "Oh wait, you want me on?" Absolutely. Tell, tell me about your show. I, I did see something where you've interviewed some rock stars or people like that. or And yeah. I, was, I was kind of impressed. I, I was looking that up while I was waiting for you to punch in here just now.
0: Okay. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's a lot of rock stars. But, uh, I mean, I've had some actors and stuff, too, and some uh, some screenwriters. Um, I, I've had one other personal trainer. It was a, a woman who trains Kate Hudson. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I've had some authors and like uh, had a conspiracy theory guy on and uh, aliens guy. I've had, tried to have a little bit of variety. I end up with a lot of rock stars just because you know you get on those PR lists and stuff. And they're yeah. like, hey, do you want to interview Ann Wilson from Heart? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I'll do that one. So it's hard to say no to a lot of those. So I didn't really design it that way, but it, is, it does end up being. And also, the, the musician ones get a lot of the views and the clicks, I think.
1: And by the way, I'm a big, you look very young. Um, I'm a big Anne and Nancy fan. As a matter of fact, I was listening to um, um, Little Queen like an hour ago. That, that song, oh. yeah, I was like, oh, uh, you know, like songs. On my podcast, you'll notice on a Monday show and sometimes on a Friday show, whenever Anna says something that reminds me of a song, then I have to play the song. My whole life works that way. My, my whole life works in songs, and I don't know why. Um, huh. it, it's just the way it is, and some people go, well, he never gets to anything on his Monday show because he's playing music the entire time. You, you, know,
0: you can play that? You don't have to pay a royalty fee, or how does that work?
1: Uh, I've never, um, but you, we only play a couple of seconds. Um, uh, okay. Now, here's the one that, that I can't understand, that I just really can't figure out. We started putting. We don't get. I don't get a lot of people watching my podcast. You know, we we get over a million downloads a month. Um, if you add up, you know, everything that comes through the thing. If you add up Stitcher and iTunes and the whole thing, we get you know plus a million a month downloads. Yeah. Um. Yet we started putting up videos on YouTube about six or eight months ago, and of course, no one goes there to find me, right? I'm I'm not. A youtube guy right they, they don't go let, let's go find Vinny on youtube um so we might only get two or three hundred people looking at me talking into a mic it's just not oh. that impressive and it, it's it's an hour long or an hour and a half or whatever so it's just people just aren't going to do it right yet on those things we have to pull all of the music out now here's what i can't understand The music is already on YouTube. When I put it on my free podcast, I'm not capitalizing on this music. The podcast is completely free. I'm just taking it from YouTube and putting it back on YouTube. But that's illegal. You see, it was already illegal because, you know, RCA didn't put up the song, and, you know, or whoever, Capitol Records didn't put up the song. The song is up there illegal anyway. But if I take the illegal song and embed any piece of it into my podcast, YouTube is coming after me. And no one can get, I've talked because I have attorneys, right? I I have a movie business and the whole thing. I understand rights and, you know, we have to buy rights for stuff from my movie. I'm not an idiot, right? I'm a guy who (laughs) I have to buy rights to put stuff in my movies. But how can I take something that you already have on your site for free, regurgitate it on your site, YouTube? Yet I'm doing something wrong. No one can give me an answer to that. No, like literally, some of I have some of the best attorneys in Hollywood, and they can't give me an answer.
0: No, it doesn't make any sense. And I I kept um, I downloaded my song. My theme song is just like one of those things where you pay like thirty bucks and you get the song. And so I paid for that like years ago. And now all of a sudden I got this company coming after me and it was like every other YouTube video that I would do, they'd say like, Hey, we have a copyright violation on this song. And I'm like, I bought this song and I would send them the receipt. And then they would send me another thing. Hey, this is a copyright violation. I'm like, I, how many, how many times are you going to do this guys? I've sent you the receipt like 40 times. Like it's bizarre. It's, it, it's a money thing. It's like, they're trying to get money. They don't even own the song, but they're trying to like get money from the company. I don't know. It's, it's bizarre
1: it, it makes no sense as a matter of fact the music i use at the top of my show was done by a guy named um um uh, mike um dawson and yeah. do you know mike he, he's kind of he's he's in the, and he's a dj he works for the adam carolla show and he he right
0: yeah he's the the voice right
1: yeah he's the voice and yeah, i
0: think i met him at a at a podcast convention actually once i didn't i I didn't realize that was him. And my friend's like, oh, yeah, this is Dawson. And so I shook his hand. And then I was like, wait, is that the guy from the Adam Curl?
1: <laughs> he only has to open his mouth for like five seconds. He's the most recognizable voice in the world. Right. But he did a song called Circling the Drain, and we pulled the vocals out. And he, he gave me the music to put in. And that's Mike Dawson's voice you hear at the top of my podcast, right? It's his voice, his music. And still I get trouble for that. It's like, do you understand the it was given to here here. It's it was given to me. Here's here's all of the receipts and here's it. They don't care. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They just you know.
0: It's well this this kind of ties into to the work that you're doing in the movies and, and your book about uh corporations and, and trying to get money. <clears throat> They're trying to make money off of uh people being fat. I mean, that's a big theme of all the movies in the book that you wrote, I think.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, when I put out the first movie, the first movie was called "Fat," a documentary. I actually put the the whole title as "Fat: colon, A Documentary." Right. So I put this <laughs> I put this movie out. I, I'm not a filmmaker, right? I'm just I'm just a guy that has a story to tell. And and uh, this kid Peter Pardini came along, and he had lost a lot of weight. He found me through the Adam Carolla show, and he um the reason folks we keep bringing up adam carolla is i've now been on his show 95 times i'm (laughs) I'm the resident goofball that comes on and talk about fitness and you know he he came on the show one day and i was leaving and he was taking my seat and he goes hey man i just want to shake your hand and thank you and i'm like who are you and what and he goes, my name is Peter Pardini. He's like, Peter, Vinnie am glad to meet you. He goes, man, I, I, I lost a lot of weight. Thank you. And I had never heard his name before. So that day I got in my car and I wrote down really fast, Peter Pardini. And when I got home, I Googled him. And it turns out he had just put a movie out about the band Chicago. And wow. I loved the band. As a matter of fact, when P- Peter gave me his a card or something when I walked out, I just tucked it in my pocket. And um, so I, I watched the movie. The movie's called Chicago, now more than ever. And uh, really loved it because my age, we grew up on Chicago, right?
0: I love the 70s and the 80s Chicago.
1: Well, it, well, the Peter Cetera stuff was a little more nuanced. And yeah, I liked it too, but it wasn't Chicago, Chicago anymore. It, right. was, it was Peter Cetera.
0: Yeah, it was my childhood, though. So, like, the the Karate Kid songs, like, that's what I remember as a kid. But then when I went back and listened to the 70s stuff, I was like, oh, this stuff's even better.
1: Yeah, um, you know, all of the old stuff, um, you know, when you hear the stuff when they were, you know, the Chicago Transit Authority, you know, that that was the original group. And when you go back and listen to that stuff, it's, like, so great and so good. And... You know, the Peter Cetera, that's almost like saying, well, you know, you, you know, well, the Van Halen, the only singer is fill in the blank, right? Well, no, right. there's, there's a David Lee Roth era and that was great. And there's the Red Rocker era. That was great. And you don't have to decide between the two. There is just the same band, two different eras, two different singers and they can both be, they can both be great in their own way. And guys like me, like both of them. Right. So I'm watching this movie. I love it. And um, one night having a scotch and I I just called, I just dialed the number and said, Hey Peter, I just saw your movie and uh, really love it. He didn't pick up the phone rang right back and he goes, Hey man, I'm backstage at a Chicago concert right now. I didn't recognize the number coming through. I can't believe you love the movie. And I said, Hey, would you like to come on a podcast and talk about it? And he did. And at the end of the podcast, he said, you know, we should do a documentary together. And I said, no. And he goes, why? And I said, everybody wants me to do a documentary. They want me to do the anti-vegan documentary. I don't think that's right. I don't want to go lie in the opposite direction. If I ever do a documentary, I want to tell the truth. And I said, besides, I don't have the kind of money. My, My buddy, Mike August, tells me I need a half a million dollars to do a documentary I would be depleting my entire savings. I, I, I'm just not going to do it. And um, he goes, you don't need to spend your own money. And I was like, okay, who's going to give me this this money? And he goes, first off, we can do it for about $150,000. And I said, okay, Adam, why? Okay, I, I don't believe that. And then he goes, second off, you have a huge audience, and your audience will love to see this movie. You can crowdfund it. Hmm. I, I'm going to be honest with you. The only reason I agreed to crowdfund is because I was absolutely sure that nobody would give me a nickel to do this <laughs> movie, right? And then Peter would go away, and I can just move on with my life. That that was the whole impetus for doing the crowdfunding. Well. Um, I was right. We didn't get $150,000 um, for the movie. We got a quarter of a million dollars in crowdfunding. Damn. So we went way past what we were asking for. And as it turns out, that wasn't even enough to complete that movie. Um, we were almost at the finish line. I couldn't get it across the, the goal line. And um, I had to go into my own pocket to finish the movie. But I was convinced at that time I had a great movie on my hands. Um, so I figured if I never saw the money come back, I- I'm okay. I'm okay, right? I-, I didn't spend all of my money. Uh-huh. And um, sure enough, the movie came out. And at the time, the number one movie on iTunes was um, Free Solo. If you remember, remember Free Solo? The guy yeah, the climbing? guy that climbs. Yeah. yeah. Kind of looks like you a little bit. Same kind of hair. <laughs> yeah, <same laughs> kinda no, kinda I guy. am not that muscular nobody's that muscular but you have the same kind of look the same kind you know he's just kind of unassuming guy and he can do all this stuff and you know we toppled free solo for like two or three weeks and then the aretha franklin movie came in and toppled us Hmm. and then free solo came back and toppled that and then we came back again and and went ahead of free solo again so my movie was in the likes of free solo and, and which won the award for best documentary that year. Um, uh, Aretha Franklin movie. She, you know, I'm just sitting there going, is this really happening? And then I I hear from gravitas ventures, the, you know, the people that had released it worldwide, you know, the distribution company. And they said, congratulations. You have the number one movie ever in the history of gravitas ventures. And I said, wow, the number one documentary that, that is amazing. And they said, no, 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 no. The number one movie. And that just blew my mind. I, I said, do you guys realize I'm a PE teacher? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not supposed to have the number one movie that a distributor puts out, but there you have well,
0: it. Yeah. Cause I think it's a very, uh, people want to know what's going on. Like with the obesity epidemic. I mean, even if they aren't having the health issues, they're, they're worried about somebody. They're trying to figure out this whole thing as to yeah. what's going on. And it's weird because it's confusing. You get so many different sides of the story as to what's, you know, what diet is, works best. And do you think that certain diets work better for certain – because there's like – your diet's no sugar, no grain. It's basically a keto diet. But then there's like the <laughs> full-on carnivore that's only meat where you don't eat anything else. And then there's like vegan – so you're just kind of more in the middle, but do you think that for some people maybe vegan is best and for others maybe carnivore is best? Uh
1: well, I'm I'm glad you you picked two uh two two extremes, right? Um carnivore, if you said to me if the question was, I'm going to change the question a little bit. Okay. If you had to live on one diet for a whole year, which one is healthier? I would say carnivore because you're getting all the macronutrients you need to to live. You know, you now um, that we're talking in a lab. Uh, Most people can't just eat meat. You know, the people who do carnivore successfully are people who they're kind of like dogs. You know, you give your dog (laughs) the same thing every day and your dog is happy. Um, But in the real world, if you tell people, you know, just eating meat will definitely just heal you. Right. And, Um, So in in that instance, the carnivore diet becomes restrictive and very difficult for most people. Um, But it works. It works like a charm. Uh, I've seen people reverse type 2 diabetes. I've seen people um, go off of insulin. I've seen people get rid of fatty liver disease, lose hundreds of pounds doing carnivore, Um, getting rid of sleep apnea, and you name it. Right, getting rid of all sorts of disorders that doctors said you would need drugs for, and they were on drugs. Um, yeah, I think Jordan Peterson, uh, him and his
0: kid, I think they had autoimmune disorders. and They, they did. did the carnivore diet, and it vanished.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've had Michaela on Michaela Peterson on the show, and um, yeah, you know, so you can do that. Now, uh, let's take the, let's go to the other stream, the extreme a vegan diet. If you are eating a real vegan diet where you're just eating vegetation, right? Um, Now you have more variety. So um, if you take it out of a lab setting, you could get more people to buy into that, especially because they can have rice, pasta, bread. All of this stuff is on their diet, right? And you can eat all of that. And so it's probably easier for people to live on that diet right? But let's go back to the lab setting. If you're eating grains all the time, if you're eating breads, pastas, rices, you know, you're going to get fatty liver disease, all the stuff you'll get rid of on the meat diet, you will get on the vegan diet. Um, The other problem with the vegan diet, no matter how closely because look, I've I'm a nutritionist, I'm an exercise physiologist, I've been doing this for 40 years, I've, I've been on the ground working for people that long. Long-term veganism just does not work, and before we came up with exogenous vitamins, could not work at all without death being the ultimate problem. Because there is no B twelve in the vegan diet, no matter how you look at it. Um, there are other nutrients you're missing. You're missing a lot of um, a lot of amino acids. You know they they would have you believe that you can you know get everything you need from pea protein. That's just not true. It's just categorically not true. Um, the only time you're going to get all of the amino acids is if you're eating either eggs or red meat and eating dairy and on and on and on. So you can't do it in a healthy way, if that makes any sense.
0: No, yeah, it was so interesting. And I think it was in the movie where it said before 1947, they didn't have a way to extract vitamins. So nobody before 1947 could have been a vegan at all.
1: Right, well, B is, it was after the discovery of B12. They, they discovered other, there was a, a German doctor who had discovered the first, as they called it back then, vitamin, um, around the late 1920s, early 1930s, but they hadn't discovered all of the, all of the B vitamins until the late 1940s. So, and, you know, so because of that, you could not be a vegan, right, before then. So throughout all of humanity, Throughout from the time we became Homo sapiens until today, we lived on meat. And then, because of chemicals and the fact that we can extract and make vitamins out of thin air, now someone can actually be a vegan. But you can't actually be completely healthy on a vegan diet. And the proof is in the pudding 87% of everyone who becomes a vegan stops being a vegan within the first three or four months. And then most of them, you, you have very few vegans that just make it year and year and year. If that makes yeah, any I tried, sense.
0: I tried veganism, because um, I went to this conference and they preached it They're like, Oh, this is the way. Try it for 10 days. So I did that. Me and my girlfriend both did it. And uh, I gained weight. And I was like, and she was having like stomach issues because of all the soy. <clears> so <throat> the only thing I would think is like, if some of these vegans that are all ripped, they must not be eating soy. They must have a different. I mean, I guess if you ate strictly fruits, vegetables, and nuts, and you didn't eat any grains, you could still get. Because like, what's the guy from Def Leppard? Phil Collins, the uh, guitar player. He's like he's like sixty something. He's got no, a no. Uh,
1: I think you're probably talking about um, Phil Collins is from um, uh, Genesis. Def Leppard. No, no,
0: no. It's it's Phil Collin, like C O L L E N. Oh, okay,
1: okay. I, I, I'm, so I'm not familiar. Um, yeah
0: it's similar similar but no yeah he's like I look him up because he's he's ripped and he and he does all this karate and stuff but he's you know he, he claims he's vegan and then i just had on the uh, guy from the misfits doyle and he's ripped and he's all about veganism and stuff too so it's just like interesting to me I'm like how do these guys get so ripped with the six-pack abs if they're doing vegan it's got to be hard because you can't be eating a lot of grains. He's
1: well, 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 of well hang on.
0: Cooker.
1: Most of it is genetics. You know, whenever you see a ripped up vegan, uh, a lot of it is genetics. One of my good friends, very close friend, Rich Roll, who's a big deal in the vegan community, and they point to Rich Roll because they go, look at this guy. He's a triathlete. But Rich Roll is genetic. He's a genetic freak. The guy was not a vegan most of his life. He was a meat eater. Um, he was also a collegiate swimmer at Stanford, right? He, he, he's a superior athlete. And um, I know other vegans, uh, i not saying Rich does this, but I know a lot of vegans who are what we, we, we call Cheegans. Um, they cheat on the vegan diet. They actually eat meat and <laughs> pretend to live the lifestyle. And um, I, I thought that that was BS for a long time but then I started looking into it more and I started talking to vegan friends of mine and they were like, yeah, I, when my wife is not looking, I eat meat and you know, this, a lot of this goes on. So yeah. I'm not saying those guys do it. I'm not saying rich roll does it. You know, I I, I personally don't know, you know, but there's a lot of that, that goes on. No, that's
0: interesting. So, um, I, I'm down in Phoenix right now. Uh, that's where I've lived for the last like 12 years. And, uh, You've heard of Michael Phelps, right? Sure. Because you mentioned Olympic swimmer made me think of this. Um, so I went to the restaurant that he goes to, and I was like so fat. I was like really into eating healthy. And so I asked them. I was like, so Michael Phelps comes in. And like, oh, yeah, he comes here all the time. And I was like, so what does he eat? Thinking it's going to be like some egg white omelet, you know, it's this really healthy thing. And they said, no, he eats Captain Crunch French toast. Right. But it's because he swims, like, how many miles? So I guess he can eat shitty. But
1: he's also, again, genetic freak. You see, if you look at... I played college football. I played D1 football. I, I was the Tulane, guy... That, right? At Tulane. I, I was what the guy... What position were you? I was a 225-pound middle linebacker. So I okay. wasn't the little skinny guy you see here today. And um, I um, my waist was the same size as it is today. I looked like a bodybuilder, pretty much. Um, and... I had to work at that, right? But there were other guys, like some of these uh, defensive backs and wide receivers and the whole thing. These guys were genetic freaks. You know, a um, lot of them from the African, do we say African American community? I don't even know what we call black people anymore. I, I grew up <laughs> calling them black people. Um, they were genetic freaks, these yeah. wide receivers and the whole thing. They were built like the statue of David and they would eat Skittles right? And, you know, they would, you know, after practice, I would go straight to the gym and they were back at the dorm because we all lived together and they were popping 40s, right? They were just drinking 40 ounce beers and and looked like genetic freaks. And if I even looked at a beer, I would put on three inches around my waist. So, you know, there are genetic freaks out there that can do this stuff. And I started telling this stuff to my buddy, uh, Don Coddington. And He started looking up guys in the NFL who talk about this on their Instagram. and go, yeah, I I eat Skittles and Pop-Tarts and all things. And they're ripped, right? So these are outliers. These are not the average person. The average person, I'm talking about the guy, you know, if you look at a snapshot of when I was growing up, I got out of high school in 1981, the chubby chick had an extra three pounds on her, Right um special k used to run ads if you could pinch an inch around your waist you're too fat can you imagine that being an ad campaign today now we're no, saying lizzo is healthy right yeah. that's where we are lizzo that's the new face of health okay no i'm sorry it's not it's not i don't believe in fat shaming at all but to say lizzo is the picture of health no She's not. She's, at the very least, she has type 2 diabetes. She has the elevated uh, A1C. She's got to be on her way to fatty liver disease if she's not dying of it already. And we got her walking around going, this, folks, is the picture of health. What happened to the world?
0: Well, yeah, that's an interesting point. And um, so you say you're not into the fat shaming, but, like, what do you think the solution is with, I know half your clients are kids, and you as a kid were bullied by kids and by the teachers, which is crazy to me, but not because you were fat because of your uh, speech issue or whatever. But what do you think the issue, because I feel like all that stuff's kind of tied together um, with obesity and bullying and, and uh, you know, it, it is this like thing where it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think shaming people is the right way to go either, but how do we encourage them to do like, people got mad because Adele lost weight. Shouldn't they be right. congratulating
1: <clears throat> Right, well, it used to be where you congratulated something someone for losing weight um <clears throat> that that happens to a lot of people. I, I saw a thing online the other day where they're saying that um people who go to the gym is basically a hate crime against people that don't go to the gym <laughs> what? yeah yeah that, that's where we are. It's like, hey, I'm not going to try to do better. we need you to do worse okay. <laughs> you, you, you you're do, you're going to the gym you're doing way too good. We don't like that. We want you to come to our side. So that's how lazy we've gotten. It's like, I'm not going to even try to do better. You know, I'm, I want you to do worse. Um, that's the world we live in. But at the same time, look, I work with morbidly obese people every day and still do. Um, I, I used to work with, you know, I, you know everyone, Oh, celebrity trainer. I quit working with celebrities Five six years ago, and I only you know, I basically work with regular people, morbidly obese people, and I almost charge zero. Um, I've never met a fat person who was happy about being fat, right? They they know that when they wake up in the morning, they when they try to put on their shoes, you know. I, I met a guy who told me he's been walking around in flip flops for twenty years because he just can't reach over and tie his shoes. He could just kick a flip flop on and off, right um, and he he wears um what's those things the clogs, you know the the clogs oh the crocs yeah that that yeah that kind of thing, because he can't bend over, and he says when he does bend over, he basically he sees stars and he wants to pass out, right this is nobody who's fat wants to be fat, they don't wake up in the morning and go, praise God, I'm fat, oh, this is going to be a wonderful day." You know, these people, they walk through airports, they got to get on airplanes, the seats don't fit, you know, they no, nowhere in their life are they comfortable. The last thing they need is for someone to shame them. And all of these people are trying to do the right thing. Every single one of them, except they're so confused by what's being thrown in their face every day, Right. And mm-hmm. uh, you know th- these are not experts. They they didn't go through school for exercise physiology and nutrition. They just want to lose the weight. And they have doctors going, "Hey, we could cut your stomach out. That's an option, right? You can't mm-hmm. be trusted with the stomach anymore. We'll just take it out." Yeah, these are bizarro world things that we shouldn't be doing, but we are. Yeah, it's it's
0: it's tough. So if somebody was gonna take the, the chance or take the plunge or whatever you want to call it. Let's say they're going to, okay, we're going to try the, the Vinny diet. We're going to try no sugar, no grain from day one. What, what's a typical for the people, li- I mean, I know, but for the people listening who haven't, aren't aware of this diet, what, what would you typically eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Would well, start off like easy?
1: Yeah. Um, I tell people don't try to go in too hard because you'll get the bends and you'll go, oh, this isn't worth it. And this life is not worth this and the whole thing. You know, just start off by taking stuff out. You know, like you mentioned cereal. Uh, Michael Phelps eating cereal pancakes or something, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> Crazy to me. You know, look around your house. You know, just ease into it for a week or so. You know, it's like, well, I can get rid of all these cereals. That That's an easy move, right? Um, you look around. All, get off of all soft drinks, whether it's diet or regular. Just, just get them out, right? That's an easy move. Just get rid of that stuff. Uh, Any kind of snack that comes in a package, any kind of (laughs) like ding-dongs and ho-hos and all this stuff. And during this time, leave your rice in there, leave your pasta, leave everything. Just the first week, look around, get rid of those obvious things that you know are no good, you know. And then once you do that and you're living a week like that, then I tell people I put a PDF out there. Mm -hmm. The PDF is free. Just go get this free PDF, right? Read it. Just read through it. Start cutting, start pulling the grains out, right? And when you start pulling the grains out, you're going to go, what do we put in their place? So in other words, let's say you had started, you got rid of the cereal, you started eating bacon and eggs for breakfast, but you had two slices of bread in there. Add an extra egg, an extra piece of bacon, pull out the bread, see if that works, you know, it's not it's not that difficult. You'll start noticing changes immediately when you do that. Oh, for lunch, uh, you know, I was having, I was going down to Panera because it was easy. And I was getting the bread bowl soup or whatever. Get the soup in a regular bowl. Give up the bread bowl. Because you know you're going to eat that bread bowl anyway. You know, little things like that. Just start moving in the right direction. Oh, Vinny, I, I read where he wrote in that PDF, rice is probably, let me start pulling rice out. Right. And slowly, but surely you'll be there and it won't take that long. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that That's my suggestion for anyone starting.
0: Yeah. I like what you said. Uh, I think it was, it was in one of the movies. I think it was the last one where you said, eat things that are one ingredient, you know, <clears throat> steak, cheese, milk, you know, eggs, like it's not, there's not multiple ingredients in those things, but even like obviously vegetables and fruit, because you allow for some vegetables and fruit in the no sugar, no green diet.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I I tell people, you know, cruciferous vegetables, I mean, it's going to give you all the nitrates and nitrates you need to give you quick power and good energy all day long. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, You know, this is not some crazy wackadoo, You know, we're going to just eat, you know, we're going to only eat uh, keto and you got to be in dietary ketosis. You know, most of the people that do NSNG, no sugars, no grains, um, aren't in dietary ketosis or not very deep. Their body's making ketones, but they're more like a Prius, right? Where a Prius uses gas and electric, Hmm. right? And the Prius goes back and forth. And you never really know if it's using gas or electric. It just propels down the road, Right. Well, when you're getting enough meat in your diet and the whole thing, your body will make ketone bodies. It'll it'll use sugar, blood sugar. It'll use ketones, and you'll start running more efficiently. And that's what the diet was, you know, uh, designed to do.
0: Does it have? Do you have limits on ter- in terms of fruit and uh, nuts and? And things like that, or is it just because like if, you can't eat too much? If you ate a bunch of bananas, that that would that'd be a lot of sugar, wouldn't it?
1: It would be. Um, I I ask people to you know largely stay away from uh, any kind of tropical fruit. So banana, you mentioned bananas, papayas, um, uh, uh, pineapples, this kind of thing. You might as well be you know just eating a bowl of sugar. uh uh, you know the best are the low glycemic fruit i always remind people that avocado and olives are fruit very low glycemic um but then you have berries berries are pretty low glycemic fruit and you can have that as a treat so there's berries uh and then you have um uh uh cherries in season you know good bing cherries that's that's pretty low glycemic fruit And, you know, the occasional apple or pear won't really hurt you, you know. But when sometimes when you say to people, oh, I can have apples and pears. Vinny says I can have apples. Where's the apple juice? No, that's not what I'm saying. Right? Uh And so there's limits to what you can do and how you can do it.
0: Right, because when you get the juice, you just get it. You call it a sugar bomb. It's like just pure sugar. There's no fiber in there to to help uh, your body digest it. So you're just... Getting pure sugar, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know it was interesting too, was I think this was in the book. So you're you have an Italian heritage. And I don't I didn't know this. The people from Italy, um the pasta was more of a side dish there. They they were more into meats and fruits and the veggies and the full cream, and the pasta was on the side. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and I grew up in a very traditional Italian family. Um, pasta was always considered just a filler. You know, it's just something to fill out the diet, right? Just get, and, and you know, most of it was for peasants, right? Rich people ate more meat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pasta, pasta puttanesca. You know, puta means whore. It's the whore's pasta. You know, <laughs> that that's what that means. I, I, I didn't, didn't know that. Yeah, most you know, people walk into restaurants and they don't realize what they're saying. But, May I have the whore pasta with shrimp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, I know that because of my grandmother, you know, my my great grandmothers and my grand great grandfathers, and um, but when you go to Italy, it, okay, well, you really opened up a can of worms here. You know, growing growing up, I grew up in uh, uh, a middle to lower middle class family, uh, and my grandparents were actually lower income. My parents were the first ones to make any kind of money as school teachers, right? And so it was very important for these people to put fish and meat on a table every day, either fish, chicken, red meat, pork, whatever they could get for cheap at the grocery store. And there was always vegetables. We grew our own vegetables. And we had like a three or four acre, we had had a little land around the house. Um, And we had our own vegetable gardens that my great uncles and uncles would all tend to, the whole family tended to this garden because it fed so many people. Um, so there, there was always a meat. There was always a vegetable. And sometimes there was either a potato or there was a pasta on the side or a little rice on the side, you know, but it wasn't the main dish. And it was never the main dish. Um, even on Sunday when we would have the big pasta meal at my grandmother's house, it was the meatballs were as big as, like like the meatballs looked like a baseball each, right? So you would get those two big meatballs with some pasta. So we called it the pasta meal, but most of what you were eating were those meatballs. Or you were eating a ton of meat. Um, it wasn't until 1984 maybe It was the first year that some rich clients took me to a place called Aspen, Colorado. And um, so I'm there with the rich and famous because they, you know, I'm their help. You know, I'm the trainer. And this is in the early days of trainers, and not many people were traveling with trainers then, but I was one of the lucky ones. And I'm in Aspen, and there's a place called Metzalunas right in the middle of town. And a book had come out. And the book was called Eat to Win by Robert Haas. And everyone's talking about this book, Eat to Win, Eat to Win, Eat to Win. So I got a hold to a copy. Uh, Someone gave me a copy. It was already read so many times the book was kind of splayed out. You know, as a soft cover. And I read it and I kept going, you know, I'm reading and I'm looking. It's like, is this a joke? Is this? this?" You know, I kept looking to see if it was made by, you know, the mad TV people or, you know, one of the... (laughs) Because I read through the whole book and he's going, fat burns in the flame of carbohydrates and there's no need for meat whatsoever. And you know, you could burn all the calories you want if you just eat pasta and nothing else and eat rice. And before you go out and play tennis or anything, drink orange juice and have some pasta and the candy bar. And I'm like reading all this stuff going, okay, this is obviously my, my great grandmother from the old country knows that this is, not true and of course the only place in town was this metzaluna's you may remember the name because there was one in brentwood and that's where oj's wife had her last meal at metzaluna's and the waiter worked at metzaluna's and she walked home and mysteriously someone in brentwood came along and knifed her to death along with this nice young man from metzaluna's um, but there was one, we don't one, know who We're still they've never for one. caught the murderer. Um, so there was a metalunas long before that, that I think that happened in 1992 because I was living in Brentwood at that time. Um, but this is 84, 85 and I'm reading this book and these rich people take me to metalunas and <laughs> the whole menu was pasta dishes where they would give you like a big mound, like it was a big dish with a big mound of pasta with either like a an Alfredo sauce or a puttanesca or, um, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, a cream sauce of some sort. And I was like, I'm like looking around, where's the meat? Is there no, is no chicken cacciatore? What are we doing here? Where, where, where's the meat? That was the meal. And mm. I'm looking at the menu going, and this was 1984 prizes. They're charging 17, 18 bucks for a plate of something that costs like three cents if if it costs that much because pasta is almost free, right? And I'm going, these people are paying $18 a pop for something that we call peasant food at my house? I, huh. I, it made no sense to me, like zero cents. Yeah, that's
0: interesting. That's really fascinating.
1: And didn't you say that like, Pizza
0: was an American thing. They don't even have they didn't have pizza in Italy
1: you you could get pizza in Italy now, <laughs> but yeah, I, now. I, I think it was an export from here. you know, old Italians came here and invented the pie. maybe I, I don't really know the history of pizza, but um pasta was an import. you know, Marco Polo brought it from China or somewhere into Italy. Uh-huh. so we they stole that from the Asian countries um and i i want to say that Lombardi's in new york are one of these we might be able to look it up while we're podcasting but it, it was is not a thing that italians are known for in italy they do it now because you know they want to make a dime um yeah. I'm, I'm I'm putting it in where was yeah my, my
0: internet's still not where i'm using all i got is my phone and i'm doing the zoom on here so i can't even, i still can't look stuff up but uh that is interesting. Uh, but but also wasn't a piece of the the European thing. I feel like is that I've heard I've never been there, but people say that everyone walks everywhere there. They don't they don't drive as much. They walk a lot. So that's got to be a piece of why they don't have the obesity epidemic there as well, right?
1: Uh probably. Well, I'm looking at this right now and this is just uh, you know a quick search. Uh pizza has a long history. Flatbreads, you know, that's something Italians do. Uh, yeah. With toppings were consumed in ancient uh, Egyptian and Roman times. So, hmm. not really modern day Italian. So, during the Roman Empire and the Egyptians, they did it. And the Greeks messed around with flatbreads and, uh, you know, focaccia and what have you. Uh, and then they're saying Napoli, or as it says here, Naples. Who invented pizza? Um, it was invented in Naples, but it's not something. Um, that you see very much until you get to the United States, you know, and Lombardi's brought it to New York at some point. And, um, yeah, you know, they're central, Southern Italy, but it, trust me, Italy is not known for its pizza, right? It, uh-huh. It's known for everything but pizza. Yeah. You, know, you, you just don't think of it that way.
0: I but, need to go there. My brother was there. Uh, he was in the army. and He was stationed there. Sounded like the best place to be stationed if you're
1: going to be in the army. <laughs> Yeah, if you get lucky, I don't know if most people don't know this, but um, Sophia Loren is from Napoli, and uh, she took a piece of shrapnel in the face during World War II. The most beautiful woman in the world—you c- know that—shrapnel could not screw up her beauty. That's wow. that's a fact. Yeah. So, uh, that's the- yeah, <laughs>
0: that's interesting. Oh, you mentioned uh, I, I was dying to ask you about this. And I heard you talk a little bit on Corolla's podcast about the Mediterranean diet, because you mentioned Greece. And then there was so fascinating in your movie, you talk about the seven, the seven countries study, is that what it was called? Yeah. uh, The guy (laughs) cherry picked the data from he he studied 22 countries, but then he took the data from seven and said, okay, this is what we need to do. But the thing that was interesting about the Mediterranean diet is my doctor told me to go on that because he said my, my cholesterol was a little bit high. So he said, do the Mediterranean diet. And you said that that one was, was um, that he stu that uh, the guy that did the seven country study went there to, he went to Greece during Lent. So that's why that they had low, they have lower cholesterol, but he they, they tried to make it seem like, oh, they eat like this all the time, but they, they eat a lot of meat in Greece.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ansel Keys uh, cherry picked like no other. Uh, he went to 21 countries. Some people um, will claim he went to 27 countries. Oh. Um, but he cherry-picked those countries. And then even with the countries, that they, the seven countries they came up with, they, they really had to squint really hard to, to prove. Their, and by the way, when you look at it, you go, okay, it doesn't even make sense in those seven countries. But you're right. They, they only came up with six countries. Um, so they wanted to, they really wanted to say, look, you know, at least one third of the countries that we went to turns out, you know, they, they were really squinting to make this work, but they couldn't even get to seven. So, uh, Ansel Keys being the huckster that he was, and he was basically a PT Barnum of his day. The guy was just, you know, that, that's who he was. Uh, he was a bully and he bullied people into doing things and uh scientists and everything else and um he sent them back he goes i want you guys to go back to crete in greece and i want you to look at the cretian people for you know another 30 days and he sent them there during lent and he sent a whole new group of people and said just go there interview them find out what they're eating right now and of course the, the Cretans don't eat any meat during Lent, right? They may have fish on Friday, that's it. And so instead of having six countries, they went back to one of the countries and plugged in what they ate during Lent. So you see, the whole thing was just a lie. It, uh-huh. it, it was all created out of whole cloth. And um, but and they went, look at the Cretans, uh, Cretans, they're in perfect health, but they ate meat. 325 days out of the year something like that and we're heavy meat eaters by the way heavy meat eaters they just stopped for religious reasons for 40 days every year
0: so then how did they because isn't is also the Mediterranean diet they say you can have wine and Italians drink their wine so how what uh how much alcohol can you have and still not get obese
1: well you know Do you drink what, alcohol yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I drink uh, mostly uh, scotch. Um, every now and then I'll, I'll sip tequila, but mostly scotch. Um, wine Wine is one of those things where if you're not metabolically broken and you're having a glass of wine a couple of times a week, you're not going to have a problem, right? But if you're metabolically broken, if you're a 350-pound guy with A1Cs of 11 and fatty liver disease. And you know, you have all you're having all these problems. Wine is not your best option. Neither is beer. Because wine has a lot of sugar beer has a lot of carbs, you know, because they're not distilled. Um, I always tell people that alcohol is poison. Right? By definition, alcohol is poison. I choose to enjoy the poison once, sometimes <laughs> twice a week. Um, I never overdrink. Uh, I never drink until I'm drunk. I'm never rolling blank tape or anything. I, I've never been, I've been tipsy a couple of times in my life, but I don't drink enough to even, my, my wife always, because my wife doesn't drink, she always says, why do you even drink? You, you don't even get too drunk. And I like, well, yeah, it's a little relaxing. I like the taste of it. It's got some nuance and it makes me feel like a grown up." So on Friday or Saturday nights, I'll pour a drink. But not, not a big drink. I can't hang with Corolla and those guys. There's no way. My, the mangria
0: and all that stuff? Is oh that, my, that's like really sugary, isn't
1: it? Oh, yeah. I've never had a Mangria. Um, I, um, Mike Dawson, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with Mike Dawson on a bet. Like if you said y- you got to keep up with this guy for an hour, I would just tap out and just go... <laughs> This guy's got a liver like no other, but, but they um, can't.
0: They probably couldn't keep up with you in cycling or or
1: weightlifting. You know, oh oh God, always... no. no, 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 they couldn't. So you're right. They couldn't keep up with me. I can't keep up with them. Uh, Yet we all love each other, <laughs> so <laughs> it all seems to work.
0: Brett, so do you have vegan friends? Do you have friends that were that are vegetarians or vegan that have different uh, diets? And do you, do you guys discuss that, or do you just not talk about it? Or?
1: I try not to talk about it. I mentioned Rich Roll. You know, he's big in the vegan vegan community. And when he wrote his book, um, my my name is in his book, right? My name is mentioned Uh in one of the biggest vegan books ever written. You know, he credits me for teaching him how to go long on a bicycle. Um, And Rich and I, you know, he's been over to my house. And when his family comes over, you know, we would grill up stuff and, um, uh, you know, they would just eat grilled vegetables. I would. was like, okay, if this is what you want, I'll grill it up. And um, we had one vegan friend one time that came over when we were living in LA. And um, I was grilling steaks and, and, you know, brats on this edge of the grill. And I was doing the vegan food on the other. And the guy goes, look, uh, my wife is not going to like this, that you were cooking it on the same. I said, look, you want to make an issue out of this? We can just call it a night right now because I'm not going to clean a grill and start cooking again. And he was right. like, it's cool. Just don't say anything to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know, yeah. yeah.
0: So, it seems like such an interesting phenomenon. And, and you touch on this in one of the movies, I think it was the Beyond Impossible, where the lady was a vegan and then she had some issues. So she started eating meat and she felt better. And she's giving a speech or something, and these guys come up and and hit her with a pie that's laced with cayenne pepper. yeah, it's like I don't understand this like you think a different way or you have a different lifestyle, so you're evil, and I hate you, and I want to throw a cayenne pepper laced pie in your face. It's bizarre to me.
1: it is uh that was Lear Keith uh she was a devout vegan and was really trying to see if you can live the lifestyle. And she became a vegan like when she was 15 or 16 or pretty young. And uh-huh. the girl that she became a vegan with, her best friend next door, you know, she they both remained vegans until they were like 20 or 21. And then that girl just said, screw it, I'm out. And I think Lear's sister tried to continue on with her for a while. And at some point... She tapped out, you know, because you, your health. When you're an actual long-term vegan, your health starts to deteriorate. Your hair starts falling out. Your skin gets really dry. You start having all sorts of issues: um, gums receding, teeth, you know, dental problems, um, trouble remembering things. And this is in young people. They start aging very, very fast, and looking older and feeling older. And so the thing that works at the beginning just doesn't continue to work. And, and Lyra was trying to do this thing where she was like growing her own food, right? She and she, That's when she started getting clues. She goes, in order for something to live, something must die because you can't grow food without pesticides and everything else. You got to kill something for that food to live, Right. And one day she's looking at a head of lettuce in a Whole Foods, and she's going, you know, I'm buying this because I'm thinking that I'm saving animals' lives, but because I'm growing my own garden that keeps dying because I refuse to use pesticides, I know that tons and tons of animals died for me to have this head of lettuce, and it had to be shipped here, and I know that diesel was burned and sent into the atmosphere. She had this realization And she started thinking along those lines. And at some point she was so sick and barely could get her head off of a pillow in the morning. And just out of frustration, she ate meat and almost immediately felt better and started eating more and more meat. She thought it was going to be some, I'm going to have to get used to eating. It was like her body just clicked right over and said, thank you for feeding me again and started healing herself with meat. Um, and started talking to other vegans about this, saying, "Look, nobody was more vegan than me," and you know, I was living this life. Even everyone who became vegan with me, they all left the lifestyle; they just couldn't do it anymore. I did it until I was almost dead. And she would go off and talk to groups about this, and you saw it. You know, it looks funny because they, you know, they, you know, they do hackety sacks behind it, but she gets slammed in the face. People have masks on you know, like, you know, uh, president Nixon masks or whatever. And they, they run up to her. She's at a, at a podium and they're slamming pies in her face. And it looks funny, but the pies are made of, um, uh, uh shaving cream laced with cayenne pepper. She had to go to the hospital. Oh God. Uh, it messed up her vision. It, she got burned on the face and all this kind of stuff. And, Not one person in that audience flinched a butt muscle to help that woman. Everyone, if you watch the video, they're all just sitting there and they helped those three people get out of that auditorium and no one ever turned to men. This is a crime. And the university she was speaking at went, well, there you have it. Just let these people go. Right? Yeah. It's crazy.
0: It's weird to me because you don't, you don't see that from the meat eater side. You don't see the meat eater saying like, don't eat vegan. Like you're killing the planet. And, uh, or you're, you're, you're like, you're, you're killing yourself or what, like whatever you're, you know, you don't, you don't hear, I mean, they may have their opinions, but they're not as a, uh, what did you, the, the term you use like militant or something about militant vegans? Is that what I was like? Yes. They're not militant meat eaters.
1: <laughs> you, you never find militant meat eaters. There's always vegans. And, um, you know, it, it makes no, no sense to me um, that, yeah, it's only on their side uh, where this stuff happens. Um, I, I want to play something for you, if I could find it. Okay. Here, I'm going to add some uh, stuff to your podcast here. Let me see if I can find it first. And, yeah, uh, it
0: just reminded me of, because uh, I heard Ted Nugent talk, and he was talking, I didn't know this about... Um, you know, how they kill animals with all these soybean fields. And you show that in your movie.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's scary. Um, we show this in, in my third movie, Beyond Impossible. Um, it, you know, the vegans will say, yeah, you know, okay, so sometimes something dies, you know, a rat might get caught. No, they have to stop the combines every so many hours, and they will remove literal pails i'm talking five gallon you know the the kind of five gallon pails you get from like uh uh, when you go to lowe's or you know home depot they'll have pails of rodents and you know um, squirrels and rabbit and uh, a lot of frogs get caught up in those combines uh and by the way the part that gets ground up that they can't pull out of the gears that's in your food supply by the way there's no other way to get that out of food supply. That's just in your food supply. Um so yeah, that goes on. They have to go out at night undercover and shoot deer and and wild hogs and
0: I right, know that part was heartbreaking to I'm not against hunting. I just don't want to watch it. I don't like animals. I don't like to see I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm totally a hypocrite because I eat meat, but I don't want to see it being killed. And that was like and this is interesting because the people that are vegan are saying, we don't want to hurt animals. But you see in your in your movie that this pig, this family of pigs is just being shot with a gun to keep them off their, uh, whatever it was, the field. I don't know what the rice It, field it was
1: soybean. And the farmer, that farmer is actually in the movie. And he was like, look, he goes, it's sad, but we have thousands of pounds of meat every night that you can't go knocking on someone's door at two in the morning and go, hey, would you like all this meat? the meat is all spoiled by the morning time and it's just animals are killed in cold blood so that we can have grains. And, you know, one of the, the vegan arguments, um, is, well, we don't want to, you know, chickens, you know, you, you should see how they treat these chickens. You know, they live in these cooped up cages and, and all the stuff, factory farming, and they're right. And that is wrong. Um, as a matter of fact, I will only eat Eggs that came from free range chickens i am a bit of i'm a bit of a, a a hippie dippy guy in a weird sort of way because yeah, you know I, you know i'm i'm not so ted Nugent about it but <laughs> I, I do believe every once you go hunting i grew up hunting once you go hunting and you, you take an animal it's uh it's a sacred thing it, like I will never waste meat because I've skinned and gutted more animals and quartered more animals than you can ever imagine in your life. I know what it takes, I know what the sacrifice is, and that's what we do, right? I think every once you go hunting once to see where meat comes from. It doesn't come from a plastic and cellophane thing from the butcher. It actually started off living a life and and I'm really big on that and I believe that you know we only eat, you know, pasture-raised cattle and the whole thing. And, you know, this winter I was in, uh, my wife is European, uh, we were in, in uh, England, and um, I had never gone hunting pheasant in England, you know, I hunt birds here all the time and the whole thing, and I was hunting it there, and one of the guys on the hunt was telling me, you know, the the vegans are trying to stop this industry, and I said, why? And they said, well, they think it's wrong that we bait our fields, to and we raise these birds for a whole year, you know. So what they're saying is the vegans are going, hey, we don't want chickens all locked up in cages. And I agree with you, they're vegans, but you also don't want them living wild. And then one day without them knowing their life ends and someone gets to consume that bird, right? So which is it? You don't want it to happen. And when you ask them why you don't want it to happen that way, they'll say, well, it's a bunch of rich guys who are enjoying killing, is is not enjoying killing. You're killing for a reason. All of those birds will be consumed, every single Uh one of them. And by the way, those birds had a wonderful life up until that moment, right? So which is it? You don't want us to let them live wild and free, and you don't want us to have them living in cages. What do you want?
0: Yeah, because it makes me wonder, so— in the, the vegan argument, you know, you don't want to kill animals, but the animal is going to die. Right. So then how do they die in the wild? I don't think they're dying of old age in a hospital bed with their family around. I mean, I saw like a meme about the other day. It was like how vegans think animals die. And it's this deer in a hospital bed with all the family. around. I mean, it's like, I think they're probably dying a more gruesome death in the wild because they get old and sick and then they just get killed by a mauled by a cougar or something. Right.
1: They do. Uh, I I know this, and this is one of the ugly truths about animals. A lot of deer in this country, because we have overpopulations of deer, and um, they die, unfortunately, from famine. You know, they just starve to death. And I've never I'm done even this. Worse. It, it is. I've never done this. I've seen. Um, I've been with other hunters who have done it on deer hunts where you'll see an old, frail deer. You're looking at the ribs, and they're barely moving along, and they're frail, and it's freezing cold. So they'll just put them out of their misery. And you don't have to take it in. You just leave there, because the buzzards come. If you come back an hour later, that deer, number one, you took it out of its misery. And um, number two, it's consumed in no time. If you came back the next day, that thing is picked clean. Picked clean, guts, everything gone, right? So yeah. it gets picked, it, you took it out of its misery and it's picked clean. So that, isn't that a more humane way to do it than to have all see, of and this? That's,
0: yeah, and I'm with you. I'm, I'm all about, I don't think the chicken should be in cages. I don't think, I mean, you see some of the, the those, like, I don't know what you call it, factories or whatever, where they just have yeah. all these animals in time. Ty- it's, it's horrible, it's horrible. Ty- I don't think that's humane either. I think they should have a nice farm and then, when it comes to the time, then you know they're they're slaughtered for in a humane way. I mean, I hope it's like quick and they're put out of their misery. But they're not, you know. I think that would be more. I'd rather get a bullet to the head than die of starvation and shaking and being. Fr- I mean, that sounds miserable.
1: Yeah, you know, I've I've had uh, the the great Temple Grandin on my show. She's the woman who they did a movie about her called Temple Grandin. Um, uh, it's a really good movie um uh, famous actress plays her in the movie i can't think of her name right now but temple uh is this woman she's dr temple grandin um and she uh is at one of the universities and she grew up in a wealthy family and she has some sort of i can't remember what her thing is um but she's a, a, a savant um some sort of idiot savant um uh, she's high functioning, whatever it is. I can't remember autism? what autism. Some some form of autism. She okay. she's a doctor. She's one of the smartest people in the world, and she couldn't get over how cattle were, you know, you know, were raised and the whole thing. So she created this way of cattle, not even knowing that they're going to their death. And it's largely been you know done by the cattle industry to slaughter cattle this way. And she's gotten all kinds of accolades for doing this. And she's this wonderful woman, but not all cattle get to die that way. Um, And I have a real problem with all of it. But, and and that's something, I you know, I, I wish the vegans would want to play along with a guy like me, you know? Yeah. Because I'm not some weird cut and dry guy, you know? We have problems and maybe we can all work together, but they that's not part of their agenda. They just want to yell about me because I eat meat. (laughs) you know
0: yeah well that was so interesting too is that you said you could not get uh one of these vegan experts to come on your uh, movie
1: yeah um you know like i said i don't do movies to lie about the other side you know vegans do movies where game changers which is a complete lie and forks over knives complete lies um uh, uh, what the health complete lies right And I I can go through the movies with anyone and and go, okay, this is a lie because of this reason. That's a lie because of that reason. That's a lie. That's a lie. I can go through the movies and tell you because this is a world I've been living in for a gazillion years, right? And um, so I can do that. Um, People said, well, why don't you just lie in the other direction? It's like, well, that becomes another lie. And so when I did my third movie, I said, I want to invite the, the top vegan doctors uh, I asked Walter Willett uh, over at Harvard University, uh, complete I, I asked, uh, Michael Greger, turned down. I asked Michael Greger, down. I asked Dr. McDougal, Dean Arnish. I, I asked all the top guys, right, turned down by every single one of them. And the way they turned me down was just so idiotic that I had to put it in a movie. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. The, the truth, you know, if you just go, by the way, guys, um, I asked these guys to be in my movie and they all turned me down. Well, that could look like a lie, right? So I put my letter to them, the same letter I sent to Nina Teichow's, uh, the same letter I sent to uh, the aforementioned Lear Keith and uh, Dr. Tony Hampton and uh, <clears throat> uh, Frederick Lacroix and Mitt Lerner and everyone who was in the movie got the same letter that these doctors got. <clears throat> All of those doctors, all of those doctors and experts, said yes. All of the vegan doctors categorically said no, and gave me the dumbest reasons ever as to why they couldn't be in my movie. And you right, saw one of them
0: it. Was like, yeah, you didn't have enough followers. You needed at least thirty thousand, and then you showed yourself at thirty four thousand.
1: Yeah, it was like you had to have you had to hit a certain criteria. That was Michael Greger. And we, we didn't just hit the criteria. We passed all the criteria with flying colors. And then he wrote back and said, I'm busy that day. <laughs> well, we didn't give you a day. We just asked you to be in a movie. Yeah. You're busy that day? And we brought that up to him. And he wrote back and said, oh, I'm, I'm so busy writing my new book. So I'm busy every day. So, Okay.
0: That's ridiculous. Yeah, if, if I found a, if I found a vegan guy, then it had him on my show. And then w- would you debate a vegan guy on my show?
1: No. Um, and here's why. <laughs> um, people have, you know, I've tried doing this before. And it just, I'll come with facts. And you know, five minutes in, they will go to hyperbole. And that will go right into um, ad hominem. And then they'll be off and running and I'll just sit there and stare at them like they're idiots. And it's, you know, just to bring on the Aaron vegan to argue about something just wouldn't work. You what know? if
0: it was rich Roll? Cause your friends, you guys could be respectful, right?
1: Yeah. But, and we've done that on his podcast and we've done it on oh, my podcast. You? Yeah. Okay. And, and by the way, early on before rich had a podcast, um, I brought him on my show twice and that's where he got the idea to start his own show. And he had me on his show, and then he called me back, and he goes, hey, man, um, because Rich, Rich talks like a guy that's you know surfs every day, and I don't know if he's ever been on the surfboard. He's like, hey, bro, <laughs> hey, dudeski, uh look, uh, can you come back on my show again? And I was like, yeah, whenever. But I was just on two weeks ago, and he goes, I took flack from the vegan community because I wasn't rough enough on you. I said, Oh, so you want me to come back on your show so you can rough me up a little bit. He goes, uh, you know, and I went, sure. And I went back on the show again so he can rough me, and, but I don't care. You know, it's, it's like, what do I care? Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Funny. You know, it's, but you know, Rich and I are good friends. We're, we're not going to sit there and, and and beat up each other. And he, he's got his audience to, to make happy. And I'm not going to sit there and beat him up and, So, you know, but if if one of these vegan diets, look, I've offered them all to come on my show. And I I said, look, you know, question number one is going to be, if exogenous B12 did not exist, how can a person be a completely healthy vegan without an essential vitamin to humans? Essential. It's not non-essential. Non-essential means your body will make it. A Essential vitamin means that if you don't get it, you can die. That's question number one. Question number two is, how is someone supposed to eat a complete protein? And I will spell out what's in pea protein. It's not even close. And you're going to have to explain to me how these people are supposed to get all of these other amino acids. Now, if you can answer those two questions, we can move on to anything you want to talk about. And since that's the criteria for any of these doctors to come on my show, I am yet to get one to show up huh. because those questions cannot be answered. It is an eating disorder that we allow people to get away with. So do you think
0: it's that, that, I mean, it is a big, hot kind of fad or whatever you call it right now. Do you think in five, 10 years, a lot of it's going to die out and people are not, it's not going to be the hot diet at the time? Veganism? Yeah.
1: It's not that hot right now. It seems hot because the internet, you know, they they put a lot of propaganda out there. But very small portions of the population actually go vegan. Thank God, you know that you know, and you know, eighty-seven percent stop in the first three months of veganism. Eighty-seven. That, that's almost ninety. That's almost that's almost most of them. Mm-hmm. If this diet was so great, seventy percent would hang in there you would have a 30% drop, but that's not the case. It's almost 90. Hmm. That's, yeah, that seems
0: high. Yeah, it does seem like I know a lot more. When I was like in college in the 90s and stuff, I don't, I mean, I remember a few vegetarians, but I don't remember any vegans like that. I remember learning about that nutrition and going, wow, that's like really strict. That would be very hard to, to live that lifestyle. I didn't know anybody. And now it seems like I know a lot more people that say that, say that they're vegan. Maybe they're Cheegans, like you said, they're cheating.
1: Most of them do. Um The ones that want to stay in the lifestyle usually the ones that cheat. This is just conjecture, and because I I can only go by what people tell me. Um, yeah, I was vegan for a long time, but most of the time I ate meat. And I was like, "Well, why?" And it's like, "Well, I didn't really want to go vegan, but I was dating a girl, and she was vegan, and she wanted me to go vegan, and so I I went vegan, and I couldn't hang and. You know, I would always stop at McDonald's on the way home. <laughs> you know, They all have their, or I would stop at my favorite blah, blah, blah on the way home. And, you know, and they would say, I'm, I'm brushing my teeth so they can't smell the meat on me. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, come That on. is I mean, so yeah, funny. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I, I, I've heard the craziest story because, you know, I still, I still interview people. You know, I do this thing where people can sign up and do a phone call with me, right? A consultation so and the reason i do that is because i need to keep coaching you know i I own a vitamin company i own a film company i own a foods company i own some stuff so i don't i don't have to coach but if i don't coach i'm i'm not in the game anymore right Uh i have to coach i love teaching right it's it's what i do and um it allows me to say that when I go to dinner, people say, Oh, Vinny, what are you doing? Like, I'm a I'm a coach. And that shuts them up because I don't want to talk about my coffee company or my vitamin company or my foods company because that bores me to death. Right. I want to really talk the,
0: the, the business side of it is not interesting to you?
1: At all. At all. Um I just it just doesn't interest me at all. Um, um it allows me to, to to have some some um you know, just to stretch myself out and do what I want to do, you know, and really coach people. And like, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the proof in a pudding for someone like me, you know, um, when, when you don't have to do something, but you're passionate about it, you know, I, I'm just, yeah. I'm passionate about health and fitness. And it's the, it's the one thing I basically do for free. When that's think like about me with
0: it. the podcast. It's, a,
1: it's the same thing. I yeah.
0: basically do it for free, but I love oh, we, it. We
1: all do. Well, I mean, my podcast brings in a lot of money. I see zero of it because it costs a ton of money to run a big podcast. You know, Gina, grad, works for my show. Anna Vocino works for my show. Uh, A guy named Bill Meadows. Tallulah, my daughter, works for my show. A woman named Debbie, a guy named Scott. You know, all of these people rely on a check from that podcast every month. The only person that does not get a check from my podcast is me. You know, and the bandwidth to run something that size, and and everything else we do, it, it's it's pretty uh it's pretty heavy stuff, um that goes on. It, it's a thing that costs a lot of money, and it makes just enough money to pay for itself. You know, and uh, we're lucky that it does. Otherwise, I would cut it out. You know, but I, well, you, you enjoy
0: know, the podcast too. I mean, you you love doing it, right?
1: I, I do because um uh, I like listening to myself talk into my ears. <laughs> I, guess, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, we do five shows a week, you know, and um, sometimes we go way off the reservation. I don't know if you've heard many of the shows, but we go way off the reservation and people go, you never got to anything in that podcast. It's like, quit listening. Please stop listening. You know? <laughs> I don't care, you know, but that's what we do. Yeah. You know, no, I need to
0: listen to more. I listened to one where it was, you had this girl on, and you guys spent the whole episode talking about diabetes and the, the medications. And I thought it was just so fascinating uh, hearing her take because she's working with uh, diabetics and how she kind of wasn't supposed to pre- preach the uh, keto diet. It was like against the rules and stuff. But, yeah, oh, man, like hearing what these these diabetics have to take uh, the drugs, it's just, oh, that doesn't sound good at all to, to, to be on drugs. I mean, if you can do less drugs or less insulin and, and change more of it with diet, I would think that would be ideal for me. It's like in your movie, the, the Jim Abrams, the, the the guy who made all the airplane, the funny movies, yeah. and his, the story of his kid with the seizures and how he went on a keto diet, and none of the doctors, the top doctors in the world, none of them were, were telling him about it. That's so bizarre to me.
1: If you ever want to watch a great movie, and it's free on YouTube for everyone, I'm telling you and your audience this, Jim right. Abrams did a movie called First Do No Harm. Uh and in the movie he has uh, Meryl Streep. He got his friend Meryl Streep to show up. And it's a movie about what happened to his son, but it also happened to another couple, like a Midwestern uh-huh. couple, and he used the, the Midwestern couple as the example. It was almost the same story as as Charlie Abrams, you know, the little kid. They, folks, uh-huh. they wanted to do on on Jim Abrams, Jim Abrams did all the airplane movies and all that, really funny writer. Yeah. And they wanted, his kid was like a year and a half old. They wanted to basically do a lobotomy on this kid. He was having seizures all day, every day. And, you know, Jim is crying and he he, he opens a book. He's reading all these different books and he sees Keto Diet. And he goes in and he, he mentions to the doctor, he goes, "Uh, what, what about this? And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, we'll just do the surgery. And he was like, you got to cut on my kid. Can we just try this? And they were like, yeah, we don't really do it here. There's a hospital, blah, 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 that doesn't. And of course, Jim has a lot of money. So he was able to fly the kid privately to, I think, Mayo Clinic or one of those, where they put him on a diet. And um, don't quote me on Mayo Clinic, by the way. Um, okay. I think it was Mayo. Though. Um, and then there was another kid who they did the same thing, and they got a plane to fly this kid in. And it saved the kid's life it was the same exact story and that's the story it's called folks go watch it the truth is stranger than fiction it's called first do no harm it's a true story by jim abrams and uh you know
0: yeah yeah i'll check that out because i just the little the little bit that you had in your movie about him. uh the story was so interesting and i think there was another family in there that had a kid with an epilepsy thing it was the same kind of story
1: yeah it's um it, it was um we did a few of them, but mm-hmm. um, y- you c- you can't make this stuff up. And I think that's why my films have done so well, because you just can't make this stuff up. Um, uh, but no, listen to the Monday show. That's the one where we go way off. That's the one with Anna Vocino. Although she's coming up on Friday's show tomorrow, we do a 101 every now and again. But if you listen to any Monday show, You'll go, wait a minute, they they didn't even get to fitness, but it's the original show. It's how we got popular on the internet 10 years ago. Uh, The Wednesday show is a short show with my business partner, Andy Schreiber. The Friday show is a luminary show. We've had everybody from Dr. Tim Noakes to David Perlmutter to um, uh, William Davis, you know, wheat belly guy, um, uh, Mm -hmm. Dr. Lustig and Ken Berry and... Jason Fung and Nina Taisho's Gary Taubes, it, the, the, it's a who's who's list of the the Mittlerner and LaCroix. I could go on and on and on. The the biggest names in the world have been on that show, and I'm shocked that they all want to be on that show. Um, that's great. So that's the Friday show, and then Saturday is listener call in where we take a success story and we we talk to them for about thirty minutes. And then Sunday we do Vinny Sunday school with Gina grad and we do a little thing for kids. You know, we oh. clean it up. We don't use the F word and what have you. Yeah.
0: Have you had on the, anybody from the, uh, that wrote the whole 30 book? I don't know if you met, I don't know who, I forget.
1: Who uh, no, uh, I I've never had those guys on, but you know, and people go, how do you pick who's coming on? It's like wh- whoever writes to me. Okay. You know? And at some point these doctors, you know, I don't know how this happened. But almost at the beginning, they were like, um, listen, if you want to sell a book, because I wrote my own book, I self-published it and became a bestseller. It's called Fitness Confidential. And it became a big thing around the, the book community. It was like, this idiot wrote his own book, published it himself, and he's selling a gazillion copies. So every person out there started telling people like, david perlmutter who wrote grain brain and uh william davis who wrote wheat belly and all these people tim noakes who's written god only knows how many books you need to go on this guy gary taubes you know prolific writer all their agents are going you need to buddy up to this guy and i'm like these guys are writing to me you know and like there's a traffic jam of of all of these incredible authors who wanted to talk to me. So we created the luminary show on Fridays and that's generally who we have on. And you can't make this stuff up. You know, Dr. Drew has been on that show. Adam Carolla has been on that show. Many drivers been on the show. We've had celebrities come on the show. And I'm like, we've never had Nancy Wilson, but uh, maybe you can introduce me to her and I'll have her on the show.
0: (laughs) I don't know what diet she does, but, uh, yeah, no, no, I had on Ann. Ann, Ann was a, uh, she's great though. Like, yeah, you could yeah. probably, get, I think she did Corolla show. So you could probably get her. On yeah, the
1: I can call Mike August and see, but, um, you know, but the problem with having, you know, celebrities too often is they don't have, you know, the store. You, you know what I mean? It's like the doctors really do it for me. And usually yeah. when we've had the many drivers and all, and we put them on the Monday show and we goof around for a while and call it a day.
0: How come, um, what about Joe Rogan? Are you, you've never done his podcast. He's never come on your, are you allowed? I mean, I know because you have a relationship with Corolla. Is that like kind of like the competition or how does that work?
1: We do not know why I've never been on Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has basically had every one of my guests on his show.
0: Rich Roll, I think, has been on there multiple times, right?
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, We don't know why I'm I'm not on his show. Um, We've asked. Whenever the book came out, we asked and he turned me down um We really? asked again. Yeah. Well, oh, Mike August called over there with my third movie and said, and spoke to his producers and said, you know, you know, vinny friend of the show, and they won't have me on. For when, I, I don't know why. I'm I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. N- no reason. No reason. Okay. Um, mm. And people say, is it because of Corolla? It's like no, because they're friends. You know? Do
0: they do each other's shows? I don't.
1: Yeah. 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 Rogan started on Corolla's show and um so i don't know why i I don't know if there's a reason or if there's not a reason i i just don't know um i would love to go on the show i love his show i I, and that would
0: be interesting to hear you two sit down and just talk about everything especially when he does like a three hours long interviews
1: yeah i i think and and my stuff lends itself to three hours you know it's Mm -hmm. um and people have asked me why won't you go on joe rogan it's like i would go on joe rogan they won't have me on we huh. and when you get the biggest producer on the second biggest podcast to call the biggest podcast, you know Mike August. Uh, I can show you the email, and he and they were like, "Yeah, we're good right now." And it's like, "Well, if Mike August can't get me on that show, then it's just not going to happen." You know? Huh? Uh, and and That's I don't huh. know why. Yeah. I, I think Roman he's got
0: I, probably so many people trying to come on that show too, though. But yeah, I would and think and like that, look. You seem like a good fit.
1: Yeah. He's had Michaela on. I've, I've had Michaela. He's had, um, uh, uh you name it, you name it. Uh, Ken, I think Ken Barry, every guest he, you know, has been on. I, I, I don't know. And, you know, I'm not going to say it publicly or anything, but I've heard rumblings in the background as to why none of it makes sense to me. So, I, uh, you know, okay. I, I mean, I don't know. Damn care. it!
0: Now I'm really intrigued. You have to tell me off the air or something.
1: I, 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 nobody knows. Um, okay. So you know it's th- there's rumblings. And I, it's like he doesn't even know me. I don't know why he wouldn't have me on. So mm. there yeah. you have it.
0: He seems open to having all sorts of different people. So yeah, I, I can't imagine him. I don't know. I don't know what the but that would that would be cool to see. I was like I was th- hoping that you had done that when I looked for episodes of, you know, the interviews you've done. I was like, has he ever been on Rogan? I couldn't I couldn't find it. So.
1: Have you had Nugent on? Yeah. Well, he is
0: a great guest. Have you had him on your show?
1: No, I haven't. And you just got me thinking. I've never had Nugent. You should
0: have him on. He's got a new album coming out. He's promoting it.
1: Well, can you introduce me? I'm asking you on, on air. Introduce me. Yeah. So, hook us up through hey, I'll email. I'll trade
0: you. You, you get me Corolla, I'll get you Nugent.
1: <laughs> I can try, but <laughs> they've all... I'm going to tell you this. I'll tell you this on the air. Okay. They, they've they told me, you know, a couple of times early on, some of my other friends, I'm not going to say who, you know, big names said, Hey, can you get me on Corolla? So, so I would call Chris and I would call the, you know, at, at early on Gary when Gary was the main producer over there and they were like, listen, it, d- please don't do this. Please don't do this. And I'm like, Okay, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to stuff. It's like everyone wants to be on this show, and maybe that's what's happening to me over at Rogan, you know. So, what you're
0: saying for I was saying for for for, for uh, Corolla to come on my show. Are you saying to to get on his oh,
1: show? I don't. Oh no, for him to come on your show. Yeah. Call over there. Just call. He. I would. You know. I would have given you Matt Fondoliers because he's the one that books that, I yeah. don't know who books, you, you know, you know who you, you should get in touch with? Um, Gary. And tell Gary okay. I was on your show. Okay. Gary Smith.
0: Yeah, no, I wouldn't expect to go on anyone. Nobody wants to have me on a show. I yeah, mean, no, that's the problem. Like P- really- people
1: ask me, is I like going on Corolla? It's like they've asked me not to do that um, because people think of me as being in the family. But Adam is like I am. He will go on anybody's show. You're not anybody, okay. but you know, you pretty much, you, you, have, you had Ann Wilson on. Yeah, and you, Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent, he would go on your show. You don't need okay. me. Yeah, just, I
0: tried before. I tried. I think I tried a couple times, but yeah, okay, I'll try to talk to Gary or whoever. That'd be try, cool
1: to have him. Try Gary Smith, um, because and by the way, just because you tried before and he might have said no, it could have been because he was super busy. You know? Because, oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: No, they, I, it took me a bunch of times to, to get Nugent. Like they, they don't really say no. They just you don't hear from them and then you just assume it's a no and then you just keep trying. And then sometimes they say yes.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll talk off the air because actually.
0: I have been trying for you for a couple of years now. I think
1: you've been trying for me for a couple of years. Yeah. And I just learned I about you. In the emails and- Who? Where were you? Don't say the email address, but were you sending it to the email address that I, that you had recently? You couldn't have had that email address. I
0: can't remember, but I know it was a couple of years ago and um, I can't remember if somebody either you either uh i think someone actually get, wrote me back and said no which is rare usually i just don't hear from people and i assume huh. it's a no but yeah i go, but I, I go back and find it but oh, i mean wow. it was when i first started i had like no guests so i don't i mean i don't blame you I mean, oh they probably they, prob- they
1: probably looked you up who megan or someone must have looked you up and went no nah, he's brand new this, we're not going to do this so someone you was know, trying to is, yeah so most this is better because
0: Now I have like over 200 episodes under my yeah. belt. And I felt like this was a really good natural conversation. I mean, I have tons of notes and questions. And it's like, I didn't even hardly get to a lot of it because we just talk <laughs> naturally. And that's totally fine. I had a blast. So I know you probably got to get going. So I can let you go. I, you know, I'll tell everyone to go to your website, read your book, check out your three movies. Uh, You also have a kid's book, I believe, and uh, anything else? Yeah, but don't
1: don't buy the kid's book. The the kid's book is out of production right now. I'm redoing it. I bought the book back from the publisher. I own all the rights to it again. I'm putting out a new version of it. I won't even say the name of it. It'll be the same name. But don't go pay $60 for my stupid kid's book on eBay. That's ridiculous. That's the reason I'm redoing it is because people are going, hey, this guy's kind of famous now. $60, I have a signed copy. That drives me nuts. Um, So I'm going to put it out where people could buy for like 1012 bucks or whatever it costs to to buy a book. Here's the thing I was going to play earlier. I love playing this. Can I play something on your podcast? Yeah, you might have to you might have to cut it cut it out. But we play this
0: Is is it going to be copyrighted or something?
1: No, probably not. Not at this point. Here we go. Okay. I don't hear anything. Wait, wait for it. Okay. Why is this not coming up?
0: Oh, shit. I don't hear it. I'm turning my volume up. I think it's up as high as it goes. Irish
2: beef stew. Right, right
1: Be- here, here it is. Here it is. Oh, okay. Here, here. I love this. I love this. You ready? Is that Sam Elliott? Yeah.
2: Beef stroganoff. Beef bourguignon. Irish beef stew. Beef brisket. Chateaubriand. Sour brotten. Roast beef. Catalonian beef ragu. Mongolian beef, chicken fried steak, steak Diane, grilled steaks balsamico, hamburgers, sizzling beef, spicy braised beef, barbecued beef ribs, beef wellington, pepper beef, beef jerky, beef with broccoli, beef burritos, beef fajitas, beef tacos. Do you see where I'm going with this? (laughs) Beef. It's what's for dinner. That
0: is awesome. I kind of remember. Was that an '80s commercial?
1: Yeah, they ran these all through the '80s, and they did a bunch I love of different. Sam Elliott. They did a bunch of different ones, but that—that's my beef. Diane. Yeah, it's like beef Wellington, beef braginio. Yeah, I, I could just sit and listen to that all day. Beef Diane. Beef burrito. You see yeah, no, going? he's got
0: such a great voice. I, that's a guy I'd love to have on my show too. Have you had him on?
1: No. If I could get Sam Elliott, that w- I would just go. Okay, I've I've died. I've gone to heaven, and we're all good. I will not do another show. That would be my last show. Yeah.
0: Well, you've got to have tons of connections with all the years in Beverly Hills and L.A. Hollywood doing being trainer. You don't. Yeah, know? I
1: could probably get my wife or my sister in law to you know, connect me to this, because they're both actors. And, you know, (laughs) I could probably get to him.
0: Yeah, no, that would be that'd be I wonder, you know, it's funny, though, sometimes those guys are like, they're vegan or something. You're like, wait, what? Sam Elliott's a vegan? It's like, a lot of it is like, they're acting. So who knows?
1: No, Sam. Listen, the coolest man to ever live is not a vegan. Okay?
0: Okay. Okay. Just checking. You never know.
1: Uh, Listen, there's no way Sam Elliott's a vegan.
0: That would, If he was, that would be like you finding out there's no Santa Claus.
1: I mean, come on, listen. Tell me if this sounds like a vegan to you. You ready?
2: <laughs> beef bourguignon, Irish beef stew, beef brisket, Chateaubriand, I mean, sour. He could be
0: acting. You don't know.
2: so Chateau Chateaubriand.
1: <laughs> I, I can listen to that. Hey, let me go back to that one. Chateau
2: Chateaubriand. Hang on. Brion, sour
1: bro. Oh, wait, I didn't go back far enough.
2: Sauerbraten, <laughs> roast beef, Catalonian beef, beef brisket, Chateaubriand, <laughs> sour Sauerbraten, roast beef, Catalonian beef ragu, Mongolian beef, chicken fried steak, oh, steak God. Diane, steak Diane. What is
1: steak Diane? I kidding. have no idea, but I want it. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, it took a while, but it was worth the wait.
1: I really I'm so up. sorry. Like, the no. folks around me try to protect me. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure that's what happened. you did a good job. And, um, but th- th- this was an absolute pleasure. Um, and uh, if I can ever do anything to help, just let me know. And, um, and we'll get it done.
0: Well, I really enjoyed that episode. If you made it this far, then I, I'm assuming that you did as well and uh, lots of great information and stories from Vinny. I learned a lot. Um, Do yourself a favor, check out his book, Fitness Confidential, and and or watch uh, his documentaries, Fat, Fat Two, and Beyond Impossible. And I think you'll learn a lot and hopefully at least have a better understanding of diet and nutrition in this country. And I'm sure there are other viewpoints and I'd love to have somebody from the other side come on the show. Someone who's a, a vegan or vegetarian expert And uh, we can get their take on this whole thing. Uh, But thank you so much for listening and uh, taking the time to, to go through this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check out some of my other interviews and make sure to subscribe to the show or follow me on social media so you'll get updates for future episodes. Have a great rest of your day and remember to shoot for the moon.